All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in for another installation of the latest and greatest on the NFL. Before we get into this week's podcast, I just want to let you guys know that I am going to be switching up this format a little bit. As you guys know, I'm just testing the waters. I'm trying to see what works, what doesn't work. And honestly, I feel like the last couple pods, they haven't been my best work. I'm not saying I'm ashamed of them or anything, but I just don't really like some of the segments and some of the directions I'm going in. So I've decided I'm going to sidetrack that whole segment of shit I got right, shit I got wrong. Um, just because I can mention those things in just a couple minutes. I don't need entire segments dedicated to those type of things. I don't want to seem like I'm flaunting with the shit I got right segment. And I also don't want to seem like I'm just completely bashing on myself with the shit I got wrong segment. I mean, people, people get things wrong. People get things right all the time, especially in the sports world. It's just so unpredictable that I can briefly mention those things and then move on from that. I don't need entire segments dedicated to that. So instead I'm going to recap my four favorite games from last week every single week. Um, Hopefully, I like that format more. I'm also going to briefly mention how I did on my best bets rather than having an entire segment dedicated to that, as I said. Um, And we're going to start keeping track of those over the long haul of the season. Last week, I was three for four on my best bets. So if you bet on any of those, you're in good shape. Then I'm going to preview my best matchups from this upcoming week. Um, This can include games people might be looking over. This can include games that are going to have serious playoff implications. Uh, Games such as, you know, along those lines. I'm then going to go over my three to four best bets every single week. Maybe if I'm feeling really confident, I'll throw in a fifth. I'm then going to go over waiver wire, or excuse me, I'm then going to go over trade targets, excuse me, for fantasy football. And then... Finally, and lastly, I'm going to go over waiver wire pickups for fantasy football. So again, just let me know if you guys like this format more. Let me know what you guys don't like. Let me know what you guys do like. And just again, all the feedback in the world is appreciated. So just keep reaching out to me, guys. Thank you so much. And without further ado, we're going to get into the games I took the most away from last week. And our very first game is going to be the Cardinals versus the 49ers. This was a very important game to both teams, particularly the Cardinals, because I felt like, well, first off, I made this my best bet uh, to, for them to cover that spread, which hit, but that's not really why it's so important. I could have easily seen this being a trap game. Uh, the Cardinals were obviously coming off beating their kryptonite, which was the Rams. Obviously, we know McVay was 8-0 against the Cardinals before this game, and it wasn't looking very good for them. Sure enough, they, they escaped that place with the win, LA I mean, and then they turned around, came back home, and played a division rival in an absolute slugfest, and this is just the type of game that you gotta win sometimes, it's just, sure it doesn't look pretty, but it means a lot to a locker room, I'm sure their confidence is soaring through the fucking roof right now, and I really think there's something special cooking down there in the desert in Phoenix, so good for the Cardinals, good for Cliff Kingsbury, good for Kyler Murray, good for all those guys down there, because again, this is just a serious confidence booster, and it definitely could have been a trap game against a division rival that knows them so well. Another thing that really stood stood out about this game, as we all know, this was Trey Lance's first start. And honestly, he played better than I thought he would. I was not very high on Trey Lance in the draft process. And then I also came out and said on last week's pod that he was going to underwhelm a bunch of people. I don't think that was necessarily the case. I mean, he didn't play great and he threw a really bad interception in that game. But to be completely honest, he played better than I thought he would. But I still think there are problems in his game. 
One thing I definitely noticed upon watching the film is Shanahan is clearly managing him. Uh, he doesn't look significantly worse than Jimmy Garoppolo or anything like that because I think Shanahan does the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he has to manage both of these quarterbacks and not ask him to do too much because, frankly, they, they can't do too much. They're just Their ceilings are very limited. Obviously, Trey Lance has that, excuse me, obviously, Trey Lance has that rushing upside, which definitely it helps increase his ceiling, boost his ceiling, whatever you want to, however you want to say that. But it's just very obvious that Shanahan's not making him make tough reads or tough throws. There was a couple balls here and there that, you know, that like, that was a great throw. There was like an out route to Brandon Ayuk, which had a really good touch on it. But other than that, there wasn't too much that impressed me. And he, needs to protect himself that's one thing he definitely needs to do there's reports already coming out today that he's a little beat up from that last game if i had to guess it's from that shot he took right on the goal line from isaiah simmons which it looked like isaiah actually hurt himself on and isaiah had to take a couple plays off before he came back later in that game but my point is is that's not you can't keep that going. You can't expect that to happen consistently. I think he had like 18 carries or something. A lot of them were on designed runs. And so I get that's what Shanahan wants to do. He wants to implement that part of his game to open up the rest of the offense. And sure enough, that's fair. But he needs to get down and not take some of the shots that he did. My point is, especially because you look at guys like Kyler Murray, obviously playing the exact opposite of him. Kyler's great at avoiding contact because he's just so damn quick and so damn fast. And we saw a lot of that from Trey Lance in the FCS, but this isn't the FCS anymore. That's not a shocker at all. Uh, this isn't even the Big 12. This isn't even the SEC. This is this is nothing like that. So he's he's really got to make sure he's not taking those shots anymore because, again, it could affect his health long term. Another thing I noticed about his game is, I put this in my notes here, he needs to take some pepper off of those fucking balls. He is just slinging that thing way too fast sometimes. Great example of that is you guys can look this up on your own time. There was an incompletion in the second quarter to Muhammad Sanu. And the first time you watch it, it looks like a blatant drop that's on Sanu. But if you actually watch it back and slow it down a little bit, the ball was just an absolute duck. It had no spiral to it. It was fluttering all over the place. And if you look, it's not necessarily because of his mechanics. I don't think his mechanics were completely off in that throw. It was more so that he just gripped the shit out of the ball and ripped the shit out of the ball he threw like a 200 mile per hour fastball in there it was just no receiver is going to catch that unless you're just honestly deandre hopkins is probably like the only receiver in the league that could have caught that ball it was just there was no touch to it it was way too fast and i saw that a lot in preseason from him and i thought he was going to do better as the weeks progress and he's obviously still struggling with that problem and he needs to figure that out i'm not saying that he can't and i think he will again i don't want to sound like a hater with any of this because i think his potential is just through the roof and i think he has a lot to like but he i'm just pointing out what he needs to work on that's all and i'm not saying that he can't get there because i think he might again i don't know that he will but i think he might going back to the cardinals side of the ball Rondale moore you were absolutely ridiculous it looks like the cardinals got an absolute steal with that guy there was a catch on the sideline in the second quarter that toe jag swag. I mean, seriously, like the ball was so far ahead of him and he could only grab it with his bare hands. And I mean, he had gloves, but you know what I mean? I meant like bare hands is in like, like bare paws. I don't know why the fuck I said that. Whatever. He, he made an incredible catch. My point is got both of his feet in bounds and you rarely see rookies, especially coming out of college doing that. It's just 
that was just an awesome play and they're using him in all sorts of way they're getting involved in the jet sweeps they're getting involved on screen plays uh, i just really love this rookie if you if he's available in your league go pick him up especially as a dynasty play this man's ceiling is through the roof and i think he's just going to get better and better and better and if we're already seeing him do this type of magical stuff man just wait another thing this is uh going back to the niners side of the ball is goddamn nick bosa is so good we all know that but he is just the oil to that machine of the niners defense he is just so impactful he flies all over the place i believe he has a sack in every single game this year and he just makes that defense so much better than it would be if he wasn't on the field and another thing i've just got to say about this niners team is man i feel bad for them because they easily have a top 10 roster in the league, in my opinion. It's definitely better than average, that's for sure. Top 16 at an absolute minimum. But if you just can't trust your quarterbacks and you can't trust your running backs, it's particular with their health, that's just not a recipe for success in this league. And it has a lot of concerns for me in the future. Moving on to the Panthers versus the Eagles. This was just a great game for the Eagles. Uh, signature win. They really looked like they were... As uh, Jalen Hurts said in his own word, they were taking another deuce. Um, they weren't going to look at it necessarily, but it looked like they were taking another deuce. It looked like they were about to get blown off the field by the Panthers. And honestly, I thought the Panthers were kind of going to kick their shit in, but they didn't. And they hung around, and a lot of that has to do with Sam Darnold. Sure, you can say that the Panthers are missing McCaffrey, but I don't know if the run game was the problem at all in this game. I honestly thought Chuba Hubbard played pretty damn well. He looks pretty damn good. He's got a lot of explosiveness in his step. He's got really good strength. He had a couple great catches out of the backfield. So I don't think he was the problem. I think the problem was, unfortunately, it was Sam Darnold. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Uh, this is also something I said in my last pod, something that Chris Collinsworth actually, or not Chris Collinsworth, Chris or uh, Colin Coward, Colin Coward said, who uh, I don't agree with many things he said, but this he nailed right on the head. When Sam Darnold is in on script and he's not under pressure, he's a great QB. But when that game script falls apart, he feels pressure. He's a completely different quarterback. Eagles made him very uncomfortable this game. Uh, they were very effective using both just their front four and also sending creative blitzes to stress Darnold out. You could definitely see that multiple times during the game. A great example of this was his pick in the first quarter. He was backed up, I believe, on like the 10-yard line after a punt uh, from the Eagles. And he threw a fade ball to DJ Moore. And the pocket was collapsing. Sure, he was under pressure, but that's my exact point. The pocket was collapsing. He threw a fade ball to DJ Moore. But if you watch the replay over again, Robbie Anderson is literally like three yards of separation in the flat. And I think this has to do a little bit with his over-reliance, his chemistry with DJ Moore. Sure, that's great. It's awesome they have a connection going like that, but you can't force that ball in. That's just a terrible decision. I mean, obviously, he was he was still in the pocket, so he couldn't have just thrown it away. It would have been intentional grounding. They would probably would have gotten backed up to their five-yard line. But I mean, seriously... Robbie Anderson was wide open for a third and manageable. He he literally had enough separation, excuse me, that he maybe could have even gone the first down. So it was just a really bad decision. Uh, again, I don't want to sound like a hater. There was a couple plays that Sam looked really great. Uh, for example, there was a play a couple minutes into the second quarter where Stan, Sam stepped up in the pocket after facing pressure, threw an absolute bomb with the flick of his wrist uh, to Spaghetti Anderson, 
and unfortunately Avante Maddox just made a great play swapping the ball away swatting the ball away um and quietly Avante Maddox actually had a really great game a lot of big tackles in this game but that's neither here nor there my point is there's still some things to look forward to he's still playing a lot better than he was on the Jets but again when the best QBs know when to step up in the moment, and I'm just not seeing that from Sam Darnold right now. He's only playing his best ball when everything is going according to plan, and when that plan breaks down, he looks like a significantly different quarterback. Moving on to the Eagles side of the ball in this game, uh, one thing I have here in my notes is I said, man, I love Jalen Hurts as a person and as a leader, but I hate to say he is not the answer in Philly. He just misses too many throws, especially downfield. He's just not very accurate at all. Uh, just not very capable of making a ton of NFL throws. Every now and then, again, like Sam Darnold, there's a couple things on film that just pop out. But his passing, particularly 20, 25, 30 yards down the field, is just so inaccurate. It's it's. I feel so bad for him, and I really hope he develops into that guy because I want him to be that guy. He's so likable. But he's just not looking like it right now. A lot of this does have to do with this coaching staff is not running the ball enough. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They had 11 rush attempts to 33 passing plays. When you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who you know is not very accurate with the football, and you know likes to use his legs to extend plays and also to scramble, that's not going to cut it. You need to establish that run game, and it's going to open up the rest of your offense. I hope and I think that this Philly coaching staff is smart enough to realize that because obviously I'm just a guy sitting here on my couch watching these games every Sunday, and I'm realizing that. And Miles Sanders is a really talented back. They need to be using him better. So I really think that he will get an increased volume. Uh, I'll touch about I'll touch more on Miles Sanders later later once I get to my trade targets segment of this podcast and I guess I just yeah he's he's going to be a trade target for fantasy purely because I know he's played really bad I know he hasn't gotten a lot of volume I know that Kenneth Gainwell is actually playing pretty damn well and getting a lot of catches compared to Miles Sanders but I really just don't see that continuing going forward I really think that this team is going to try to establish the run a lot more. And again, if I notice that sitting on my couch back home, I think this coaching staff is smart enough to realize that too. It's also worth saying that the Panthers O-line weaknesses finally showed up. They were playing a little bit better than I thought that they they should be on paper. And we know the Eagles D-line is one of the be better parts of their team, but they were just bodying this Panthers offensive line around. I'm not going to lie. There was a couple times where... Sam Darnold had just no time to work at all. It just did not look like a successful offense. This offensive line is not very good, and that definitely concerns me, um, mostly because if you think about the contenders in the NFC, if this, this Panthers team really wants to make a push in the playoffs, think about the best teams in the NFC right now. You got the Rams, you got the Bucks, and you got the Cardinals. And one thing all three of those teams share on top of great quarterback play, on top of explosive offenses, is great pass rushes. Their front four can get to the quarterback very easily, very often, and that is not a good thing for the Carolina Panthers and their O-line differences. Weaknesses. I just said differences. I don't know why I said that, but weaknesses. I mean, even if you think of the Saints, the Saints have a great front four. Cam Jordan, uh, Peyton Turner, uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, forgetting guys right now. 
Oh, they've got that one stud D tackle that I cannot remember his name. Is it Sheldon Rankins? Am I just like pulling that out of my ass? I think I think it's Sheldon Rankins. Either way, um, I think when they face the Saints team again, I think the Saints team is going to be a lot more prepared for them. That's a whole different conversation. My point is, I think we're really starting to see the Panthers' true colors here, and I think we're starting to see that they are just indeed pretenders and not contenders. That doesn't mean they can't go 10-7 and and barely make the playoffs or straight up make the playoffs comfortably, but I just don't think that they're going to make it very far in these NFC playoffs with how this team is built. Moving on to, honestly, the game of the week, which I think a lot of people were overlooking last week, was the Browns versus the Chargers. This was just an awesome game. Honestly, I don't have too much to say about it because I'm sure you guys already know so much about it, and I'm sure you guys have already watched a ton of videos breaking it down. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Herbert is a legitimate MVP candidate. I seriously think they're going to win this AFC West division after watching five weeks of football. This coaching staff is juiced. They're feeling very confident in him. I believe they went for like three or four fourth downs in this game, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they converted on, I think, all of them. Maybe, and they might have missed one. Regardless, they're confident, they're juiced, they believe in their quarterback, and as they should, because he is a fucking stud. Uh, maybe I was right about the Raiders after all, but that's a whole different that's a whole different topic. Go fucking Bears. I can't believe I didn't write this in my notes. I should have talked about this game. I'm just going to stick it in here really quick. I wish so badly that I said more about the Bears Raiders games in last week's pod because after I ever finished recording my pod I specifically said to myself like damn I should have made the Bears one of my best bets and you guys aren't gonna believe me that's great I don't care you don't have to believe me I I know for myself that I wanted to make it one of my best bets and I just didn't have the stones to do it so to make it up to myself I went to work I work with two diehard Raiders fans shout out Saul shout out JR and I bet them each 20 bucks that the Bears were going to win straight up just because, I don't know, I was feeling it. I was, it's just that gut feeling, you know, then them, them intestines were just telling me that the Bears were going to win this game. And sure enough, they did. And I think it's very telling to both of these teams because I think the Bears are a little better than people are getting them, giving them credit for, just a little bit. And I think the Raiders are a lot worse than people think they were, especially a couple weeks ago. Anyways, jumping back to the Browns at the Chargers. Um... Oh yeah, this this was a great point. Sorry, I had to remember where I was in my notes really quick. Baker is showing chemistry with all of his receivers except Odell Beckham Jr. I truly don't understand what it is between those two guys, but they just never seem on the same page. They almost never have the entire time OBJ has been in Cleveland. They had some moments last year, but overall they just haven't showed me that same chemistry that even like Rashad Higgins and Baker Mayfield have, which is just so bizarre to me i think obj is definitely a name you should expect to hear a lot once the trade deadline comes around i don't know if they're actually going to pull the trigger and trade him maybe they should if they get an offer good enough but regardless i think it's a name we're going to be hearing once that time of year comes around another thing that i take away from this game is both of these defenses which looked a lot better in previous weeks need to play better uh i really expected more from the browns defense this game uh chargers defense need to play better too trust me it's not just a one-way street both of these defenses need to play better if they want to seriously compete and make a super bowl run uh well, a couple more things about this austin fucking eckler let's go friend of the show fucking stud he's not a friend of the show i just know him i've met him before he's obviously i've 
have a buddy who's related to him and uh shout out cole regardless fucking stud dude i i love seeing this guy ball out three more tutties this week that's just amazing if you have him in fantasy football you're sleeping well and make sure to send him a screenshot of your w with him on your roster because you have a chance to win i think it's a signed jersey or like a fantasy ring something he's got some giveaway going on over there so go check out his instagram send him a screenshot of you winning with his, with him on your team and you might get lucky who knows Another thing about this is we know that Austin and Keenan Allen are two guys you're going to be starting each and every single week, but I think it's fair to say that Mike Williams is in that exact same tier now. Mike Williams is a guy that you're going to start each and every single week. You're never going to bench him. You're not going to worry about him. Just throw him in as your wide receiver two. He might even be your wide receiver one if he has some injuries, and just don't worry about it. Even if he drops a duck like he did against the Raiders that game, he'll be back. He's clearly established in this offense. He's got a very critical role and this offense is just so high powered justin herbert like i said mvp candidate playing on an unreal level clearly loves going mike williams way he's a red zone target he's a deep threat he is an intermediate threat they just they love using this guy it's very obvious and you can start him each and every single week in conclusion this was just a fucking banger of a game so fun to watch loved watching the film of this game it was also a little crazy to watch the film back because, you know, when you see the final score of 47 to 42 or whatever it was, you would think like, oh man, these, these, these offenses just got, you know, flying from the start, but, and they never punted the ball, but it really wasn't like that. The, each team here had a couple of punts. Uh, I think the Chargers even had three punts and it, they just, that fourth quarter happened and fuck, it was lights out. They just started moving the ball and taking deep shots and 86-yard touchdown here, 70-yard touchdown here. You, you get the point. It was just fireworks. That was awesome to watch. Chargers, each and every single week, are a must-watch team because this is, well, they're in Hollywood and it's, it's must-see TV, I will say. <laughs> Moving on to the final game of the week that I got to cover and Another game that I'm just going to lightly cover because I'm sure you guys were watching on Monday night. I'm sure you guys have already watched plenty of analysis of it. And I'm sure you guys have already heard how Lamar Jackson is a true passer of the football. But I'm here to reiterate those things. The narrative that Lamar is an elite thrower has been proven bullshit. If you really think that he's not anymore, man, I don't know what the hell you're watching. But you're not watching the same thing we are because... Just, I'm not a big stats guy. I'm really not. I don't think stats tell the whole story. Excuse me. Oh my God. Tell the whole story most of the time. But 86 86% completion rate, 442 passing yards, and four passing touchdowns. I mean, come on now. That's just fucking ridiculous. From a guy who's supposed to be a run first guy. Like, man, that... Eh. Just incredible. Just uh, Lamar won't win the MVP because I don't think they'll be seated high enough. And I think they're probably going to be a wild card team. I still think the Browns are winning that division. But I don't know if there's a single player that's more important to their team right now than Lamar Jackson. I mean, seriously, he is just balling the hell out. He's putting his team on his back. He's had multiple comebacks this year. Their one loss was to the Raiders, obviously, week one, where we thought, oh, shit, maybe we're sleeping on the Raiders. But we got to keep in mind, they had... Gus Edwards go down the week, the like, I think the week before that they had Marcus Peters go down like a few days before that. They just had a ton of injuries around the board. They weren't ready for that game plan, and the Raiders just really caught him off guard. In my opinion, I think this Ravens team is so damn good, and I think Lamar Jackson is the most valuable player in football right now. Man, I feel bad for the Colts. Going to the Colts side of the ball, 
Colts had a lot of opportunity to put this game away. Lamar Jackson is just fucking magical. There's not much else to say there. Uh, I actually thought Carson Wentz played pretty damn well. He just couldn't get it done. Lamar Jackson is just on a different planet. And it's just... Man, again, it's, it was just magic to watch. That was fucking insane. Um, keep in mind, it did kind of piss me off. I had to appreciate greatness while I watched it. But I lost my fantasy game to Chase Kamen. Shout out you if you're listening to this. Uh, I lost my fantasy team or lost my fantasy game against him. He beat me 146 to 147. And he had Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback. So if the Colts start with the ball in that last overtime or in that overtime, could have been a different game. Who knows? Either way, had to appreciate greatness. It was just fucking awesome. Yeah. All I got to say about that game is. Poor Colts, they're way better than a 1-4 team, and this Ravens team has got to be fucking feeling good after that one. Moving on to my favorite matchups of this next week. We got the very first one is going to be the Chargers at the Ravens. These were two teams we just talked about a lot, so I'm not going to talk too much about this. It's just both these teams are red hot. Both these teams are being led by MVP candidates playing out of their goddamn minds. I mean, seriously, these quarterbacks are just on fire right now. Both these coaching staffs are also on fire right now. They feel more confident than ever in their young quarterbacks. Uh, they take a lot of risks, and those risks normally pay off. So that it's proven to be good coaching. It's proven to be that these players are very bought into this system, and they're 100% behind their coaches. I think Brandon Stanley is a great fit for the Chargers. We obviously know how established Harbaugh is in Baltimore. This could definitely be an AFC playoff preview, and definitely something you want to look for in January because I think we could see a rematch of this game. I think the Ravens matchup is a bad one for the Chargers purely because the Ravens can keep the Chargers off the field with their run game. But I also said that about the Browns, so I have no idea what the hell is going to happen here. If I was forced to put my money on it, I would say the Chargers are probably going to escape Baltimore with a win. But again, this is not my best bet segment. This is just my matchups of the week, and this is an amazing matchup this week. Moving on to my second matchup of the week, we got the Seahawks versus the Steelers. This is a huge, absolutely monumental game for both teams. The Steelers are gaining some confidence and catching up to their competitors in the AFC North. And they obviously beat the Broncos last week, which was, I guess, a little bit of a shocker. The Broncos were only favored by a point, but still, they kind of kicked their ass, which I was surprised by. The Seahawks, just as much as the Steelers, they need this win so badly for the exact same reasons they got to keep up with their nfc west competitors they're really going to fall behind early if they lose this game and i don't think there's much coming back from it especially with russell out for as long as he's going to be out it's just going to be so tough the loser of this game is just going to be in such bad shape to make the playoffs so it's just such an important game for both teams the Seahawks need to perform without Russell Wilson obviously and we've never seen that before so I just have no idea what this team is going to look like the Steelers are now favored by four and a half points and I think they're going to cover that again this is not one of my best bets so I'm not going to say that it is this is just a matchup preview that I'm very excited about and definitely a game to look for this weekend because both of these teams need this win so badly moving on to another two excuse me moving on to another game where it's two teams that desperately need a win is the Raiders at the Broncos this is again just a huge game for both of these teams 
They're both looking to establish confidence after getting embarrassed last week because that's what both of these teams did. They both got embarrassed. The Broncos kind of got blown off the field by the Steelers, as I mentioned before. The Raiders did get blown off the field by the Bears, and now they're missing their head coach. I'm not going to talk about that whole scenario just because, again, I'm sure you guys have heard plenty about it. Gruden deserved to be fired. I'll just say that. It, you can't do those kind of things, especially in this day and age, and just expect nothing to come out of it. That's all I'll say. Anyways, going back to the game, not focusing on John Gruden. These teams need this win if they want to get talked about in January. I don't think both of these teams are as good as we thought just a couple weeks ago. And I think these teams need to show us that they are as good as we thought a couple weeks ago. So... Again, this is just another division rivalry game that's just going to be a slugfest. Um, I believe it's in, yes, it is in Denver, so that definitely helps Denver. But regardless, it's huge implications in this game. Again, if they want to be talked about in January, one of these teams is going to have to escape with a W. Well, no shit, but you, you know what I mean. <laughs> Moving on to the final favorite matchup of this week. Again, a game I'm not going to go near. Speaking of which, I wonder what the over-under in this is in this game. I probably should have checked because I would definitely take this over if it's anywhere near like 55 points. I'm talking about the Cardinals versus the Browns. I believe it's in Cleveland, which shouldn't matter too much. The Browns are definitely not a 3-3 three and three team if you look just at their roster. And they're going to be pissed after last week's loss. That was just a crazy tough loss. Crazy emotional game. I think they're going to be looking to put the NFL on notice by beating the only undefeated team. I don't know if they're going to. I'm just saying it's that plays a shit ton. Trust me, the Cardinals have a target on their back. Every single game they play from now on, they're going to have a target on their back. Every team that plays them, that's going to be their Super Bowl because until they lose, they are the cream of the crop in the NFL and they're the only undefeated team. So you got to give it to them. Moving on to my best bets. We got... First best bet of the week, we got the Cowboys at the Patriots. The Cowboys are currently favored by four points. This Cowboys team is just red hot. As we all know, I've been very high on them since before the, this season. I didn't think Dak Prescott was going to play this out of his mind, though. He's truly looking like a top five quarterback in the NFL. And this team is just fucking loaded. I said this so many times before. The Cowboys just have so many weapons that not many teams in the NFL at all can match up with them. And as we know, their defense is playing significantly better than last year. It's just, a, I think it's a huge mismatch for the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots have had some previous success against the Cowboys, but this is not the same Patriots team. I think it's going to be more competitive than people think, but still, four points is, I don't think, enough for how good this Cowboys offense is playing. And also the fact, as I've mentioned, that this defense is playing a lot better than they were in past years. So... Give me the final score, Cowboys 31 over the Patriots 24, and honestly, I think it could be a little more than that. It really all comes down to Mac Jones' play, and if he can just not turn the ball over, which I don't think he will, so that's why I think it's going to be this close, and regardless, I just think the Cowboys are just feeling too good right now. They're too red hot. Their weapons are just explosive as ever. Again, Cowboys 31-24. Moving on to my next best bet for this week, we got the Chiefs at the Washington football team. As we know, the Chiefs rarely lose two in a row. They just got embarrassed by the Bills in their own building. That was a shocker. I mean, the over hit, so 
I'm happy about that. If you bet on that, you're happy with me. But I wasn't expecting it to be this much of a blowout. I really thought it was going to be a lot closer. Regardless, we know how bad Washington's defense is playing right now. We know that the Chiefs have a lot to prove, and they think they're a lot better than a 2-3 and three team, as we all do, I think. Uh, that chip on their shoulder is just going to grow every single day because they believe they're being slept on. They believe they're being overlooked. And we know that Washington football team the Washington football team. I'll never get used to that. I'm, I'm like, I, I have to force myself not to say Redskins every time I say their name. We know that the Washington football team's offense is a little lackluster. Uh, obviously, we know how bad the Chiefs defense is, but I just don't think it's going to matter. This Chiefs team just, again, they barely lose twice in a row. They've got weapons up the ass. The Washington defense is playing absolute shit football. So I'm just trusting the Chiefs on this one. I'm trusting Andy Reid. I'm trusting Patrick Mahomes. That leaves us with a score for the Chiefs of 38 to 28. The over under of this game is 55 and a half. So I'm going to take that over. And honestly, I'm going to say this now. I'm probably going to take like almost every over that the Chiefs are playing in, mostly because sure, their offense is crazy explosive and they can just go off on anybody themselves. But their defense is so bad that teams are going to be throwing the ball all the time on them. Teams are going to be putting up points against that defense. And all these games they're going to be playing are going to be very high scoring. So again, 38 to 28, that combines for 66. And that generously covers the spread of, or the over under 55, excuse me. So take that over. Moving on to my final best bet of the week. We got the Buccaneers at the Eagles. Man, this Eagles offense just does not look very good at all. This Panthers offense just simply choked that game away last week. And this Bucks team is just, whew, Jesus Christ, dude. Tom Brady is, I mean, they're world beaters. Let's be honest. They're just back in their world beater form. They're, they, sure, their defense isn't healthy, but who fucking cares? The, the Eagles offense, as I've said, is very lackluster. Brady is looking more comfortable than ever. He's probably going to have, I mean, I shouldn't say this because it's early on, but he's on pace he looking he's looking like he's going to have one of the biggest years of his career and obviously having that extra game is going to help that those stats a lot i think statistically he probably will have his best year of his career which can you believe we're saying that like come on that dude won a super bowl like 20 fucking years ago and we're saying that he's going to have the biggest year of his career at 44 years old it's just man it's just incredible you got to appreciate greatness when you see it and he is the definition of greatness I mentioned that Jalen Hurts does a lot of things on the run and he likes to scramble out of the pocket, but he's very inaccurate when he scrambles out of the pocket. This Bucks front four is going to force him out of the pocket. They're going to force him to make some throws he's not comfortable making, and I just don't think that's a very good you know, uh, recipe for success for this Eagles team. It's also worth noting that Brady is reportedly dealing with a thumb injury. But it shouldn't affect the status this game. And there's just a ton of mismatches across the board for the Eagles. So give me the Bucks, 35 to 21, easily covering that six and a half point spread. Moving on to my second to last segment of this podcast. This is actually going pretty quick. I like this. We got our trade targets. So very first trade target of this week is going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, this is a pretty obvious trade target. I feel like a lot of Calvin Ridley owners right now are panicking. Uh, he really hasn't sh lived up to that first or second round draft value you drafted him for. He also missed last week's game, so his value is even worse. 
Regardless, we saw him get immense volume when he was on the field, and it wasn't turning into great points, but what matters here is the volume. He's going to continue to get volume. He's going to continue to get a majority of those teams' targets, and I just still think his potential is very high, and it's a very good time to buy low. So Calvin Ridley is our first trade target. In a very similar boat to Calvin Ridley, we have A.J. Brown, who's hasn't seen quite the same value as Calvin Ridley, but that's simply because this offense hasn't been passing the ball very often at all. There's just not a lot of pass attempts. So in perspective, I think by percentages, they're near around the same percentage of targets, if that makes sense. They're seeing the same amount of... Uh, there's a word I'm looking for here that I just can't... I can't put my tongue on, but that's okay. They're... My point is, as far as percentages go, they're getting about the same amount of targets. And A.J. Brown hasn't really been healthy. So as he gets healthier, I think his ceiling is just going to get higher and higher as he sees more of a connection with Ryan Tannehill because we saw that connection. His rookie year, his second year in the NFL, he was honestly a game breaker. He was a league winner for a lot of you guys. So don't forget how good he was. If you're an owner of him and you're listening to this, stay patient. And if you don't own him and that owner is freaking out, go get his ass because his ceiling is just so damn high moving on to another guy that's seen insane amounts of volume and just not getting the pure yards or touchdowns that we normally expect from that but i think they will be coming is keenan allen again just a lot of the same reasons we're saying calvin ridley aj brown keenan allen they're just getting an insane amount of targets in this offense and we've already seen a connection between him and herbert previously i think those touchdown numbers are going to increase i also think those average depth of target is going to increase because right now he's seeing a lot of those intermediate mesh the crossing routes you know the mesh concepts the the comeback routes stuff like that but i think as we progress we're going to see him more uh, what's the word? We're going to see him flourish more in this offense, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure, he's more of that possession guy, but there's nothing wrong with that, especially once you get down in the red zone. I think we're going to see him be used a lot more than we have been so far. This is staying on track with the wide receivers and also uh, staying on track with the guys who are getting a lot of targets and not turning into the best production this is actually a two for one i got t higgins and tyler boyd of the cincinnati Bengals. again a lot of the reasons why you like calvin ridley why you like aj brown uh with with t higgins more specifically uh they've all been beat up Uh, i think they're only going to get healthier from here again we've seen a connection with him and burrow we've also seen a big play connection with him and burrow from last year i think that's going to continue i also think jamar chase is going to come down to earth a little bit Obviously, we haven't seen too much to be to prove that, but I just think that defenses are going to pay more attention to Jamar Chase and really try and eliminate that big play that he has. He seems to have every game, so that just brings Tyler Boyd's and T. Higgins stock up. Those are both guys you want to be targeting, and they have very floors. Excuse me, they have very similar floors and ceilings in my opinion. So go after both of those guys. Finally, we're going to end this segment with a running back. I'm sorry, it's the only running back I have here. I couldn't really think of anyone else that is a really great trade target right now. A lot of guys, are their stock is just too high that I don't really like trading for them. But this is a guy whose stock is very low right now, um, and he just doesn't have a lot of downside. He's very cheap. You can honestly get him for not very much at all. And he's splitting touches with another established back in this league who isn't being nearly as efficient as this guy and of course i am talking about javante williams 
I've been talking about this guy forever. I'm pretty sure I talked about this guy on my very first pod. He's just sure he's one of my favorite guys coming out of college because he, I fucking love the way he runs. He runs angry as shit. He's extremely athletic for his size and he's also very quick for his size. Reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb. But he's just seen ju- just as many snaps, just as many touches as Melvin Gordon, but he's being much more efficient while doing so. I know Gordon's getting or excuse me, Gordon's getting paid more and he has that bigger contract and he's been there longer, but I think this coaching staff is going to realize that Javante is just the more talented guy here. He's being more efficient when we're giving him the ball and I think his touches are only going to increase as the the season goes on longer and I think he seriously could be a league winner. So his stock is only going to go up from here, so you might as well just grab him as soon as you can because again, he's cheap and there's not a lot of downside here. Some guys you want to be trading, actually, fuck, I don't want to do a trade away segment. I honestly don't even, I don't feel confident about any of these guys to be traded away if I'm being completely honest. So I'm just going to skip over this segment because, fuck it, not my specialty. (laughs) So moving on to the final segment of this week's pod, we got our waiver wire additions. Uh, Just like last week, you're going to prioritize what your team needs. So this isn't really in a particular order. I'm just going to list out three running backs and two receivers and if you need a receiver go get the receivers that i mentioned if you need running backs go get one of the running backs i mentioned uh, and these are going to be in order so our first running back our number one priority on the running back list is going to be daryl williams daryl williams is going to see more of a workhorse or excuse me work workhorse work workhorse is that a term did i just make that shit up am i tripping right now workhorse I don't know. Bell cow. I don't know, bro. I need to shut the fuck up. Um, Daryl Williams. What the hell was I saying? Yeah. Daryl Williams is going to get a lot more touches because CEH is out and this seriously leaves him with high end running back two potential. Uh, he was already stealing touches from CEH before he went out the injury and getting goal line work over CEH. So even when CEH is back, there's still a lot of upside here. And that's why he's my number one target here because We've seen Clyde Edwards Hilarious snaps and touches decrease each and every single week. We've seen him have a fumbling problem. Now he's injured, and this just helps Daryl Williams so much because he's going to establish his place amongst this running back committee. And I'm not worried about Jarek McKinnon at all. Jarek McKinnon's not doing bullshit yet. Sure, if you're in a really deep league and you don't have a very high waiver priority and you have nothing to lose and you have one guy on your bench who you don't like at all and you just want to drop him because fucking why not then sure go go pick up uh go pick up uh jared mckinnon i almost forgot his name <laughs> go pick up jared mckinnon go do your thing but i don't think there's too much value in there again there's not much downside to it so if you really want to just go for it but daryl williams is going to be the guy here and i think you could see a lot of usage in him even when ceh is back so Again, he's my number one target for this week, regardless of position. Moving on to my number two guy. This is my number two running back. We got Devontae Booker. As we know, Saquon Barkley unfortunately went down with a very swollen, very, very swollen sprained ankle. That was gnarly looking. Um, I mean, it's supposed to be a light sprain is what I've heard. It's supposed to be mild, but that did not look mild. I know Saquon Barkley's a freak of nature and he comes back from injury a lot quicker than a lot of other guys. But I, if I'd guess it's at least going to be a couple weeks and Devontae Booker's going right into that 
workhorse role. He's going to get all those touches in this backfield. He's going to, you know, be that guy who's getting the goal line work as well. So I think there's serious upside here if you want to pick him up, put him in your flex. Uh, I wouldn't expect too much from him because there's just so many guys injured here, and I really don't know how much you can expect from this offense. But regardless, the volume's there, so it's definitely worth picking up if you're weak at the running back and you don't have the priority to go get a Damian Williams. Sorry if you could just hear my keys jingle. Sorry about that. That was probably really loud. My number three guy is going to be Khalil Herbert, uh, one of my one of my bears, my guy. I love this guy coming out of college. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because he went to the Bears, so wild and all of him. But he looked extremely efficient. He was getting just as many touches as Damian Williams, and honestly, excuse me, shit, I burped, and honestly was looking. A little better i hate to say that because i'm a damian williams owner myself and i think damian williams is still going to get the goal line work so i think damian williams still has that rb2 upside cleo herbert's more of a flex play but regardless if montgomery's out for five to six weeks that gives him a ton of time to really blossom and prove himself and get a ton of touches in his offense an offense that i think is getting better i'm biased so maybe don't listen to my ass but i think it is Moving on to my wide receivers, my number one guy, who another guy that I'm sure you've heard plenty about this week is going to be Kadarius Tony. All the other guys on this team are beat up, and Tony's just getting a shit ton of volume. He also looks extremely efficient with the volume he's getting. It's not just like Jalen Waddles, you know, like ridiculous amount of targets that don't really result in anything. Kadarius actually did a lot with those targets, so therefore I think he's a great wide receiver to prioritize. The next wide receiver I'm prioritizing is a guy that a lot of people drafted and then just completely forgot about and dropped after the first couple weeks is Marquez Callaway. He's looking like the most talented receiver on this team until Michael Thomas comes back and his big play potential is really there. It's really strong. We've already seen Jameis have a solid connection with him, already established a relationship with him. So that's going to be the last guy to target. And that's going to be it for this week's podcast, folks. I really do enjoy it enjoy i really do appreciate you guys turning in i hope you enjoyed this week's podcast sorry if i was a little jumpy and all over the place i'm a little juiced up on caffeine right now i'm just feeling feeling amped i'm also feeling amped because my bears won i'm also feeling amped because if you bet with me you went out big this weekend so let's fucking go let's keep the street going make sure to put some money down on my best bets that i got this week because this is another week where i'm feeling pretty damn confident about these ones Again, to recap quickly, we got the Cowboys covering the spread. We got the Chiefs covering their spread. We got the Bucks covering their spread. And then we got the Chiefs versus Washington taking that over of that game. And that's going to be it for me, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed this so much. Peace out, and I'll see you next week. Go Bears.